Our scriptures today come from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw, the prophet's complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shijonath the prophet's prayer. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the sun. Rays came forth from his hand, where his power lay hidden. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we do come before you this day with open hearts and open minds and open ears. May we hear your word to us. May we hear your word for our lives, for this time, for our world. And hearing it, may we respond in faith and in hope and in love. For we pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. The poet Thomas Lynch writes, Some days the worst that can happen, happens. The sky falls or weather overwhelms or the world as we have come to know it turns towards the eventual apocalypse long figured in all the holy books. You may have never heard of the prophet Habakkuk before. He is one of those prophets that in biblical tradition we term a minor prophet not because what he said was inconsequential or not important, but rather because we know very little about him, and also because what he had to say he managed to say in only three chapters. Sometimes you don't need a lot of words to convey your meaning. His is also a somewhat different approach in the prophetic tradition in that he does not bring a word from God to the people, but rather he brings a word from the people to God. It is only three short chapters, and I encourage you in the midst of the busyness of this season to take some time to read each one of those chapters. It is hard for us to date the book, and we don't know exactly what was happening at the time it was written, but it's believed to have been written around 2,500 years ago. And yet, as I read the, the prophet's words this week, there seems to be a timeless and enduring quality to them. You might be interested to know that the name Habakkuk itself literally can be translated to mean to embrace or to wrestle. And our prophet clearly lived into that name 
Because in this short book, we find him wrestling with God. We find him learning to lean into the embrace of the God who made him and the God who knows him. So as we begin our Advent journey this week in this somewhat non-traditional prophet, I think Habakkuk has three important truths to share with us today. The first one is, it is okay to get real with God. Habakkuk's complaint is an urgent and heartfelt plea for some answers. He says, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you shall not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the, la the law becomes slack. Justice prevails. His cry to God is filled with the pain of his day. How long, O oh Lord? It is the question that humans have been asking, it seems, since the beginning of time. And perhaps the circumstances change, but the pain and the anguish do not. How long, O oh Lord, cry families in Chesapeake, Virginia, and Colorado Springs this week as they bury the last casualties of mass shootings in this country? How long, O oh Lord, will the names Dante Wright, George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner paint a picture of violence around this nation? How long, O oh Lord, will nations go to war, killing innocent men, women, and children? How long, O oh Lord, will our prayers for healing, for peace, for justice go unanswered? Habakkuk stands in a long line of faithful believers who come to God with their rage and their anger and their question. And perhaps this morning it's a tradition in the Old Testament that we need to reclaim. Old Testament scholars estimate that two-thirds of the book of Psalms are literally a lament, an appeal to God to come and answer, to intervene, to make right. Those psalmists and others in the Old Testament came to God with their laments because they were confident, confident in the relationship that they had with God. We have all seen those videos of children in orphanages who make no sound, who do not cry out, who sit in silence and stare because they have learned that no one responds to their cries. No one answers them. No one comes to them. Habakkuk reminds us this morning that the picture of lament that we receive in the Old Testament is a relational one. Habakkuk comes to God with these questions because he trusts. He trusts in God to provide an answer. I thought this week of those, those moments in our infancy, in our toddler years, when all is not right with the world. You may remember your own children having those temper tantrums, those moments when nothing can appease them, when nothing is right and no one can soothe them. 
You just have to let it run its course and finally, finally they wear themselves out, they tire themselves, and finally you can calm them. In some ways I thought this is perhaps a picture of the prophet this week railing against God, coming to God with his anger and his questions and his rage. And it's only when he tires himself out that he can rest once more in God's embrace. Because the second thing that Habakkuk teaches us is that when we get real with God, we also need to be prepared for God to get real with us. It is said that in a court of law, you're never supposed to ask a question for which you do not already know the answer. You want to be safe and secure in your case. Perhaps we often play it safe in our relationship with God because we are afraid. We are af afraid of the answer that we might receive. Because Habakkuk receives an answer, but it is not the one that he wants. He's told in response to the questions that he asks God that God will indeed raise up a nation. But to Habakkuk's horror, it is not the nation, his nation, but rather his enemies. When he questions God, he's told that the Babylonians, the enemy will prevail. They will take charge. He's told that the times of trouble come from the violence and evil of the days that he himself is a part of. That his people are not blameless and righteous, that they have wandered far from God, that they have turned away and sought other, other paths. So when we cry out to God with our laments, we have to be open and ready for God to answer us and hold us accountable. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright says, the point of lament woven thus into the fabric of the biblical tradition is not just that it's an outlet for our frustration, sorrow, loneliness, and sheer inability to understand what is happening or why, but the mystery of the biblical story is that God also laments. Some Christians like to think of God as above all that, knowing everything, in charge of everything, calm and unaffected by the troubles in his world. That is not the picture we get in the Bible. We are told over and over again that God was grieved to his heart. We are told that the Holy Spirit is groaning within us as we ourselves groan with the pain of the whole creation. We may cry out to God, but in turn, God will perhaps ask us, how long? How long will my people continue to ignore the commands? How long will my people continue to place trust in other gods? How long will my people continue to seek other paths? Habakkuk didn't receive the answer he was looking for. How often we come to God again and again and again and ask for our prayers to be answered, but fail to listen and fail to make room for an answer that doesn't work with our plan, our plan for life or our view of the world. And then I think the third thing that Habakkuk reminds us is that when the answers are not what we expect or when they don't come when we want them, 
We have to embrace the God in whom we place our trust. There is no swift and ready, ready response. In fact, our prophet this morning seems to be told that things are only going to get worse, not better. And yet he responds. He responds by holding on to the truths of the past, the foundation of the relationship. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. It is a prayer of hope that is built on faith that God is good and just and holy. A reminder that, as Paul wrote in Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. As we begin this season of Advent, it is a time of waiting, a time of expectation, a time of hope. But perhaps it's also a time to get real with God, to come to God with the raw honesty of Habakkuk, to bring our prayers of lament, our longings, our fears, and our anger. How long, O Lord, will this continue? And we all have a this. The this might be our job, the this might be our partner, the this might be our family situation, it might be our health, the this might be our financial concerns, the this might be our concern over the political or economic situation in our world, the this might be racial injustice, the this might be poverty or war, violence, the this might be ecological imbalance and natural disaster. We can all cry out, how long, O Lord? But we do so. We do so in the hope and in the knowledge that we belong to a God who made us and loves us. A God who does not abandon us to the evils of this world, but continues to want to be in relationship with us. Advent is a time of preparing our hearts to once again welcome Christ into our world to remember the coming of the Messiah, born in a stable in Bethlehem. But it's also a time when we are to live with the expectation of God born within us, made alive through us. A time perhaps when we are once again reminded and asked to think about the ways that we bear Christ into our world, the ways in which we give hands and feet and voice to God's love and God's grace. So as we lift up our prayers of lament, as we join in the suffering of those whose names we speak, whose situations move us, whose hearts break us, during this time of waiting and expectation, may we wait with hope and with faith, trusting, trusting in the Lord to reveal himself once again through us, and in us, and through our world, and in our world. Lord, let it be so. Amen.